You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. seated this morning. God bless our music team today that led us into the presence of the Lord through worship. Welcome to the house of the Lord, the unity service, and we have representation here from every one of our satellite churches, except for Cornerbrook, and we're going to see them in a second. Um, But uh, just so you understand what's happening today, we did a, we, we, uh, we made a decision to do a special event, and all the leaders of our satellite churches will be speaking today. Now, don't get too afraid of how long that's going to be. Uh, They have a time limit, and um, they're going to minister and just share a little bit of vision and what's on their heart today as God has spoken to them to speak to you. And so we're going to start with our satellite church in Cornerbrook. And, uh, of course, uh, he wasn't, they weren't able to be with us in person uh, this morning, but uh, they'll be uh, on video uh, so from Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, amen, brother and sister McGuire. And then it will immediately follow each one that's on the list. Praise the Lord, Mission Point. We are thankful for the opportunity to join with you today and have a chance to speak for a few minutes along with the other daughter work ministers. Uh, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. It says, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to talk to you just for a few moments here about I will be kingdom minded. I will be kingdom minded. We live in a me first society. And as followers of Christ, the enemy wants us to adopt this mindset as well. That's why it's so important for us to crucify our flesh on a daily basis so the old man doesn't begin to resurface. We know that our flesh, it doesn't want to submit. Uh, It wants glory. It wants uh, to be satisfied no matter uh, the cost or the reason. We all have dreams uh, and ambitions, and we may think that they are good. Uh, King David wanted to build a house for God. Even the prophet Nathan, uh, when David told him about it, Nathan said, it's a good idea, go ahead and do it. Uh, But then God jumped in and said, uh, did anyone ask me? Now, that's my translation. Uh, But God did come to Nathan and tell him, um, you know, this isn't what I want. And so you need to go back and tell David no. And, um, you know, boy, we don't like to hear that word no, do we? especially in the society we live in. Um, But as parents, we know the importance of sometimes saying no to our children as they were growing up um, because we knew that what they wanted to do may harm them or it wasn't the right thing. And so um, it's the same way when it comes to God. How do we react? Um, God said, no, David, you can't build a house for me because you're a man of war, but your son will build the house. Um, And I love David's attitude. It would be so easy for him to get mad or upset or get offended um, or decide, well, I'm going to do it anyway. 
but he prepared the material for Solomon to build it. Um, and I, I think that David, he had that mindset, I will be kingdom minded. Yes, Solomon will get the praise and the recognition for building this um, amazing temple. And, and maybe no one will remember what I did, but David had the mindset, I will be kingdom minded. And we must be kingdom minded. Our plans, our dreams, our ambitions, um, they don't always line up with God's plan for our life. And so, how are we going to react? What are we going to do? Uh, are we going to do it our way or are we going to keep the attitude of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Um, offenses and hurts will come. You'll be misunderstood sometimes. It won't always go your way. Uh, you may not be in the spotlight. You may not get the recognition you think you deserve but we have to be kingdom minded. Pastor, what do you need me to do? Uh, how can I further God's kingdom? Uh, even if it places me in, in a, a second place or third place or, or maybe no recognition at all, but I will be kingdom minded. Uh, I, I wanna help this daughter work and I want to do this job because of my skill set. Uh, but oh, you need me here and you want me to do this job? Uh, okay, okay, because I will be kingdom minded. Well, I've been here longer and given more uh, than that newer person. Why do they get that role? No, 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 no. I will be kingdom minded. It doesn't matter who is exalted or who isn't. It doesn't matter who gets a recognition or doesn't. I will be kingdom minded. We're living in the last days. We're so close to the coming of the Lord. We need to make sure that we keep that attitude of being kingdom minded because I believe all of us want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Praise God. Let's keep that mindset, church. I will be kingdom-minded. If I have to take up my cross, if I have to crucify this flesh and my attitudes, I will be kingdom-minded. God bless you today from Cornerbrook, Newfoundland. Praise the Lord, everybody. It's great to be with you this morning. I want to turn your attention to the book of Acts chapter 2. I can't waste time because I don't have it. And so book of Acts chapter 2, verse 46. And day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And in the New King James Version, it says the people were in one accord. And I want to ask you a simple question this morning. Are you ready? Are you ready? It is very evident to me, and I hope that it has been for you, that God has been pouring out His Spirit in this local church and around the world. And we have watched as people have given their hearts to the Lord in repentance and watching them as their sins are washed away through baptism, and through the receiving of the gift of the Holy Ghost with the initial sign of speaking in other tongues, I have felt an agreement in my spirit that people are in one accord for one place, 
and for one purpose, and that is to see many souls added to the kingdom of God for such a time as this. In fact, is this not our mission? It is also the great commission. And Jesus said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Can I tell you that the amount of people that God wants to send this church is not going to hold one location. As souls are being added into the kingdom, we ought to continue and preach and teach. But I'm telling you, it is not going to hold this location because it's going to hold absolutely multiple preaching points around our city. As we are ready for more people to fulfill the purpose and the call of God in their life, we just got to educate and be ready for what God is going to do through their life. The statement or question in my title illustrates this simple point. If someone is ready, they are properly prepared for something. Or, if something is ready, it has been properly prepared and is now able to be used. I don't feel this emotionally. However, I do feel this prophetically. That we are stepping into a season of harvest. We are stepping into a season of multiplication. The greatest days of the church are not behind us, rather they are in front of us. And guess what? The Apostle Paul didn't see it. His successor, Timothy, didn't see it. Moses and Joshua didn't see it. But God has planted each and every one of you in St. John, New Brunswick, at such a time as this, to see the harvest come into full. All of the 12 disciples of Jesus Christ, even they didn't get to see it. But guess what? I got some good news for us this morning. You're here, and I'm here, and the harvest is ready. John 14, verse 12 to 14. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And watch now, and greater works shall you do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And I love this part in verse 14. If you ask... Anything in my name. There's a, there's a promise for somebody here this morning. He says, I will do it. Somebody got to get an I will do it in my spirit this morning. Because God is about to send the harvest. So it's not are you ready. It's we are ready. And if you aren't ready, you ought to get ready. Because the people are coming anyhow. The souls are being added anyhow. This very day, I speak to you today prophetically that the multiplication of the church is now. And just to mess with our perception of what the church is, I love this building, but it's not the building. It's not the pews we get to sit in service after service. It's not the beautiful instruments that we get to use service after service, and we thank God for them. The blessing that we have to usher God's presence in with them. But guess what? The church is made up of you and I. Submitting ourselves to God, as Brother McGuire had said, the things of God and the mission of the church is to invest our time into the people. This is what Jesus did while he was on earth. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came so that through him the world would be saved. So if we are ever going to see the harvest of the church, we need to love and we need to care for the people like Jesus did. We must decrease, and He must increase. Some of us water and some of us sow, 
But Jesus Christ, He gives the increase. I'm not sure what your thoughts are of this idea this morning, but I'm ready for God to send out laborers into the field. I'm ready for the expansion of God's kingdom to enlarge. The church is moving forward. And I want to declare to us today that God has great things in store. So are you ready? Come on. Are you ready? probably won't grab the mic, but I'm a pretty loud guy, so my wife tells me. All right, I'm going to read the very first part because we don't have much time here. <clears throat> Daniel 12 and 3 says this, And they that, wise, they that be wise shall shine as the brightness and the firmament, and that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Amen. Proverbs 11.30, The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. And he that wins souls is wise. Matthew 4.19 And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. A couple more to go. Mark 15, or 16 and 15 And he saith unto them, Go ye into all the world, preach in the gospel to every creature. Luke 19 and 10 For the Son of Man is cometh to seek and to save that which is lost. And Acts 2... Sorry, Acts 22 and 15. For thou shalt be his witness unto all them, all men of what thou hast seen and heard. We say things like fishers of men, soul winning, winning the lost, evangelism, bringing the lost sheep, reaping the harvest, compelling them to come into the house. These are all terms that we've heard many times in this church. These are all scriptures that we read about every day. I say this. We need to see your brothers in this church. We need to see your sisters in this church. We need to see your aunts, your uncles, your cousins. We need to see your employees. We need to see those that you work with, your co-workers, your neighbors. We need to see them all in this church. Like Brother Cody said, this church can be filled. We can, other, we can fill the other churches through the love of Christ. And I say this also. You know, even our enemies need to be in this church. God says we are to be an example of who He is. That example is to get out the back door. Get out into the street. It needs to fill the heart. It needs to be dug deep into your heart of what we need to do in this city. This city, we can go to the grocery store and we see lost souls. It should make you weep when you get back into your car. It should drive you to talk to these people. We should go to the bank and see a lost soul. We should be going to the grocery store and seeing the lady that needs God in their life. See, there's a lost world out there, people, and it needs Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer. We can sit here day after day after day saying what we need to do. But see the door at the back? We need to go through that back door. We need to go through out into the city. We need to go into every community. We have five daughter works and the main church. You can't say we don't have workers for the harvest. Brother Cody said, we have a harvest that's out there. We are the reapers. We are the waterers. We are the ones that go out and bring that harvest in. We need to put it in our hearts. 
It needs to make us weep every night. Everybody says, why well, wake up to Jesus? I go to bed with Jesus. I don't stop being with Jesus because Jesus is the one that drives me to what I need to be. He is the one that gives me the strength when I have no strength. When he says, when I say I don't have the words to tell them, there's no excuse because Christ says, I will put the words on your tongue. There's no excuse. We need to show that Jesus is the answer for this lost and dying world. This church, it is full, and I love this church. But like Brother Cody said, it's not about this building. It's about us getting our feet to moving, getting our mouth to walk, talking. Get out there and walk the walk and talk the talk that Christ has commanded us to do. I just, I, I don't know how else to say it. It excites me to know there's that many people out there I can talk to. And anybody that says it's hard to talk to people, you're talking to the most anxiety-ridden guy up here. And yet it takes nothing to sit there and say to someone, Jesus loves you. It takes nothing to say, I see you're upset. Let me tell you there's an answer for that. Every answer to every heartache, every problem that's in this world starts in Genesis and ends in Revelation. And guess what? It's ongoing because Christ said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is the answer in the food. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'll put my time here too. That's a wise thing to do. Amen. Praise God. Uh, before I start, just want to shout out to my uh, gorgeous wife. I hope she's watching. Amen. Praise the Lord. Without further delay, I want to bring your attention. Just uh, I want to preach to you in Genesis chapter 22, verse 8 up to uh, 8, 13, and 14. I think the message that God has placed in my heart is a in line to what the previous preachers have mentioned that if you take care of God's business, then God will take care of your business. Genesis 22, verse 8, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Verse 13, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham, Abraham said, and, went, and took the ram and offered him up to the burnt offering instead of his son. Verse 14, And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Today I want to share to you the word that is entitled Jehovah-Jireh. This is a story that we have read about Abraham where God has asked him of, to offer Isaac and his only son as a sacrifice. If you can remember that Abraham and Sarah waited for Isaac for 25 long years before they received God's promises. And I can only imagine the pain that Abraham felt as they were preparing to go up to that mountain. But one thing I have admired about Abraham was, regardless of the difficult task, he was still able to call it worship. And you can read it in chapter 22 verse 5. And I want to tell you today that worship, you know, we worship God is not based on what we feel. It's not, not, we worship God not because we feel good or when everything is going right. But we worship God despite of what we feel and what we're going through. Because the reason why we worship God is because of who He is. The story goes on. We learn that the act of sacrifice was interrupted by the voice of God 
telling us not to harm Asak, but instead there was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns, was provided as a sacrificial substitute. This was a moment of revelation to Abraham as God revealed himself to him. At first, Abraham had a different expectation in his mind of how God will intervene in that scenario. Hebrews 11, 17 to 19 tells us that in the back of Abraham's mind, if he did end up sacrificing his son, he thought that God will just raise Asak back up. That was his expectation. But God responded differently then I say, you know, differently on that situation. Can I tell you that some of us sometimes have different picture, idea, ways, and methods that we anticipate God to move in our situation. But I want to tell you that it, it, it might not happen the way that we are expecting. But I want to tell you that God will still do His word. Hallelujah. God will still provide, hallelujah, the need that you have today. Last point that I want to tell you in Hebrew, Jehovah Jireh doesn't only mean God will provide. It means that Jehovah will see to it. In other words, God will look after our need and beyond. That is His part to provide for our need. And our part is to present and to offer the sacrifice and to obey His word. The ram caught in the thicket by the home was a prophetic scenario that was later fulfilled through Jesus Christ. As John said in John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ is the Lamb that became the substitute for us slain for the cross. And this is what amazes me about our God. That Jehovah Jireh in Revelation 13.8 tells us that the Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world therefore now we understand that even before sin happened god has already a plan and solution before that sin starts and so today i want to tell you as he uh, as our god that we serve that the jehovah jireh it means that when he said that he will provide not only in the present but before even your problem and situation may arise he has already a situation that have prepared for you and all you have to do is to align yourself in his word that's why joseph was sent to egypt first god and god promoted him into the position because there will be a famine of the future that's why Moses early in his life because he will be the deliverer he was spared by God there is already a solution before even your problem will start because that is who he is Jehovah Jireh the Bible said my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus Christ if you take care of this business God will take care of your business Psalm 60 and verse 4. Thou hast given a banner to them that fear thee, that it may be displayed because of the truth. Selah. Yeah. I want to talk to you this morning about the standard. In my 32 years of living for God, I've seen many people come and go. I've seen many people lose out. 
And I've learned two things for certain. One, you can't mess with doctrine. Two, you can't stand in God's way when he's moving. To do one of these things or even both of these things will be a, a surefire way to get a one-way ticket out the door. So David sinned in his flesh. He committed adultery. He committed murder. But he found grace and mercy and was allowed to retain the kingdom. Saul did that which was unlawful and performed the sacrifice designated for the priesthood and the prophet and had the kingdom stripped from him. The difference between David and Saul is you can mess up in your flesh like David and find grace and mercy, but you cannot mess with the way that God is moving. You can't mess with doctrine. You can't mess with the way that he's established salvation for men and women. You can't do that. We can't tamper with that. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 10, because they received not a love of the truth that they might be saved. You and I need to have a love for this truth. You and I need to hold on tight to it. It is so important. It is so vital. This Acts 2.38 message will save you and your family for generations. We cannot water it down. That's why each of these daughter works are established. So this truth can be loved in every preaching point around this city. Psalm 60 is one of the the miktam, it's called, a golden psalm that David wrote. It's one of six in total. It's a psalm that David wrote so it could be taught to the people. A psalm to teach. And in the first three verses of that psalm, David begins to explain how God had been displeased with them. He had shown the people hard times and left them staggering in the streets with amazement as he gave them the wine of astonishment to drink. But now God's favor had returned to them. And the people were rejoicing over Joab's victory over the Edomites in the Valley of Salt. 12,000 men are slain. And Joab comes back and the armor bearers along with them. And he's got the, the banner, the colors waving high. And they come back into Jerusalem. And they're, they're victorious and they're shouting. And there's such elation. Such elation. In verse 4, that we see that a banner can only be given or raised for those who have an awe of God and can only be waved in victory because of his truth that we adhere to. That banner can only be waved under those two conditions. I don't know what it's like to <clears throat> follow Joab into battle. I don't know what it's like to, to hear the shouts of men in combat, or the clanging of swords and shields together. But I have played football under Friday night lights at the Allison grounds through high school. And I can remember catching my first interception. I can remember that ball coming out of the darkness and hitting me right in the chest, that, that perfect spiral. And I thought to myself, this is my time to shine. This is my time to to run this ball all the way to the end zone. But as soon as I caught that ball, my flight response kicked in as the receiver behind me began to shout and wanted to move my head from my shoulders. And every linebacker and every running back and every eye of the offensive line was on me to take me down. 
Immediately in fear, I dropped to my knees and inside my own 20-yard line. I got back to the bench and my coach said, nice, nice catch, but all you had to do was run with it. <laughs> all I had to do was run with it. A standard bearer has four roles. One, it's a permanent position. It's a position of great honor. Two, it, he leads the charge. Three, the banner that he is waving is the rallying point. It is the identity source. It is a place to unify together on that front line. And as long as that banner waves, point four, the army has not been defeated. Isaiah 59 and 19 when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. I am so glad that I don't lift this standard. I don't have the guts. Just like I wasn't able to run that ball downfield, I am so glad that the Lord has lifted up this standard for you and I. I am so glad that he leads the charge, that he is at the forefront of the battle, of every battle point that is hot. And don't think for one second that Grand Bay is not a hot spot or Nwijiwak is not a, the front line of the war because it is. All eyes are on it to, from the enemy to destroy it and take it down. And I am so glad that the Lord is our rallying point. I am so glad that he is our standard bearer waving the colors high. And when you and I fall, we get back up, we bind our wounds together, and we join the front the front line with him, and we will be victorious. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, church. There is a story found in the Gospels where Jesus calls his 12 disciples together, and he gives them the authority and the power that they would need to spread the gospel and preach the kingdom of God. If you read this in Mark chapter 6 and verse 7, it says, And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits. What I want to focus on today is the fact that he never sent the disciples out to work alone. Matter of fact, he put them in teams with the intentions that they work together as one. He knew they would need each other for encouragement, strength, accountability, support, and fellowship. He didn't send them out alone because he knew that the burden that he was placing upon them was too great for any one of them to carry by themselves. And it's no different today with the daughter works that God has called Pastor Carter to set up in this city and in this district. You must realize that we are not able to do it alone either. We just can't do it by ourselves. The love, the prayer, the support and the fellowship that Mission Point provides to us is so vital to us as we work to spread the kingdom of God. Every one of these daughter works was born out of an intense desire to see lost souls saved. And that same exact desire is echoed here in Mission Point. And when we all work together as one, we will see the revival that God has in store for this city and this district. See that same story I read in Mark chapter six is, six is also found in Luke chapter nine. Now, when you read the story in Luke chapter 9, it's not really special in and of itself. But what's so special about Luke's recounting is that when you get to chapter 10, in chapter 10, you see Jesus does the exact same thing that he did with the 12, except this time he does it with 70. 
and he sends them out two by two. Why? Well, clearly it's because the impact that the disciples had on those communities was so tremendous that it caused an exponential growth in the ranks. And it allowed them to reach even more cities because they were working together as one. They went from six cities to 35 cities. And that was because they worked together as one. If we continue to work as one between Mission Point and the Daughter Works, we will see that kind of exponential growth. We will be able to do anything. There will be nothing that can stop the kingdom of God when we work together as one. Amen. So this morning, I just want to share just one quick thought, and it's just a kind of continuation of, of um, what everyone has shared this morning, and that just want to remind every one of us that we are one. Yeah. You know, in Philippians 2, verse 2, it says, Make my joy complete by being the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, uh, intent on one purpose. And so uh, another way of saying this is that, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Uh, when we look at the, uh, our satellite churches in Mission Point, that we work uh, together. There's a partnership. And in fact, another way of saying this is uh, the satellite churches are an extension of Mission Point. So there's, it's not the, the satellite churches are just kind of off on their own, but there's this uh, partnership with one another. And in fact, we, we are all working together as one. And so there's just, there's just one church. And it's not just in one location, but we have uh, churches that are placed strategically by God throughout our city. It wasn't just coincidence that things happen, but God orchestrated that there would be lighthouses and churches working together uh, in specific targeted areas of our city. And uh, I'm so uh, grateful and privileged to, to be um, uh, involved in a satellite church in the uptown area. And it's, it's uh, very, like God has orchestrated how that all came into place. And we're so honored to be part of that. And, and church, Mission Point Church, you have a key role in our satellite churches. You are the one that is uh, partnered with prayer and support and we are, we are all working together as one. We have to remember that, that we're working together. Like, we're not just off on our own doing our own thing, but we are all working together because there is only one kingdom. And we are all kingdom-minded. It's about souls. It's about reaching our city. And I can tell you right now, Mission Point Church cannot hold every single person in our city that God is reaching to, because God is reaching to people. I've seen it firsthand. God is reaching people, and we need more than just one location to house these our city. And in fact, just our satellite churches is not enough. If you look at the population of our city, and we just take a tenth of a tithe of the population, we need more than just the those locations. Even 30 churches is not enough that will house even 10% of our population. Think about it. There's 70,000 people in our communities, and even if we reach just 
just a tenth of that. There's still not enough locations that God, he is reaching. He is reaching. Like God is reaching and he's using Mission Point Church. He's using our satellite churches partnered together as one. We are one. We have one, one mind and and that is to reach souls, and that we're reaching out through love. It's the love and united in the Spirit, and we are intended on one purpose, and that's to see our city saved, and that is to see communities being transformed. Hallelujah. And it's only going to happen when we work together as one. When we, be, when we get that concept that we are working together. There's a partnership that is happening here. Hallelujah. And it's, it's reaching beyond just, just uh, our, our, our satellite churches. There's partnerships that are happening beyond that. And then there are communities. I'm so excited what God is doing. Hallelujah. When a church is united, it becomes an ignited church, and an ignited church is a powerful church. Hallelujah. And God, he is equipping us. He is raising up, Lord. He's raising up a one church that is going to evangelize our city. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just the other day, I was uptown, and I was talking to a group of people, and they were just all voicing about how can we change the uptown area? How can we see change happen? How can we change the Waterloo Village area? And I spoke up and I said, the only way you're going to see change is to establish a healthy church. And they all kind of looked at me like, what? I said, a healthy church creates a healthy community. So you want to see change happen? Establish a healthy church. And that healthy church becomes a community. And that becomes a healthy community. Amen. Hallelujah. We are coming together and we are working together as one church with one vision. And, and we're coming in one accord. We truly, we truly will reach our city. We truly will reach our city and we will see communities be transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. We will see lives changed by the power of the Holy Ghost because a group of believers have come together for one common purpose and one cause and that is to reach our city. Hallelujah. Thank you for partnering with all the satellite churches. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. Because that's what, that is what's catapulting our satellite churches forward. And that's what's, that's what's, uh, uh, it's kind of like the cog that's making everything move together is that partnership and prayer and support. I'm excited what, what God is doing in our city. And, and the church, Mission Point, we're just getting started. We are just getting started. Hallelujah. 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 God is granting favor, the church favor in our city. I can't say very much about this right now, but God is opening doors of opportunities in partnerships within the community of St. John. In the uptown area, God has, he's orchestrating and he's opening doors where the church can advance into key areas and key people who are people of great influence that will change and transform our city. 
Hallelujah. And it's God. God is opening the doors. And so church, we must just unite together and say, we're, we are in this together. We're going to move forward together and we're going to reach our city. We're going to see our communities change. We're, we're going to see people who may be hopeless right now can experience hope. We can see people whose lives will be changed. They'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. They will be transformed in their lives and we will see healthy churches and we will see a healthy communities in St. John. If you believe that too, you should stand to your feet right now and say, God, I'm going to declare right now, Lord, the north, south, east, west, outside of our city, we're going to see, see healthy communities. We're going to see healthy churches. We're going to see God transform and change our city by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the will of God. It's the will of God that our communities will be reached. In Jesus' name, thank you for your partnership. Morning, church. I want to tell someone here this morning, if it feels like you have a multitude weighing on you, whether it's uh, about singing, preaching, pastoring, playing instruments. I want to tell you, when it feels like a multitude weighing down on you, start looking for a drawer of blessings. And uh, like unto the disciples, they're so much like us. And uh, when they seen the great multitude, they, they said to Jesus, they said, can you send them away? <laughs> we don't have enough food. We, we can't attend to this mall. Send them away. Yeah. Jesus was like, nope. Uh-huh. Then he's, then they, again, they're so much like us. They're like, well, then send us away. You know, so we can get better suited to feed these people, to attend to these people. And, uh, of course, he said, no. So, uh, Jesus took a little boy's lunch and fed the multitude of people. See, if we just look for a blessing when a multitude is weighing upon us, we will find the blessing in the middle of our struggle. God blessed that little boy's lunch. And guess what? He blessed the multitude and he blessed the disciples because there was a basket full for every one of them. Listen, you don't need more. You just need God's blessing and his anointing. And you know what his blessing and anointing is? His favor. It's his favor. It's God's favor that turns scales in your behalf. It's God's favor when you succeed when people think you should fail. So don't be praying and asking God to take your multitude away because you're asking him to take your blessing away. Don't be asking him to send you away either. You know, this is not for me. I can't do it anymore. The enemy wants you to think you don't have what it takes. He wants you to believe that you're not educated enough. That you just... You can't have enough time to do it. You don't have enough money to supply it. But you know what? God does. And it's, it's a good thing we don't go alone, but God comes with us. 
Because we can't do it ourselves. We can't reach the city ourselves. But God can. And he wants you to put your efforts forth first. And he'll meet you. He said to Moses, use your staff. Use what you have. And I'll give the increase. You see, Moses gave every excuse in the book he could find not to go. And Jesus is like, well, I'll go with you. That wasn't enough for Moses. He said, well, I still can't speak right, God. Well, go get your brother. I'll speak to you. You speak to your brother. See, we can't outsmart God. You know, the enemy wants you to fail. The enemy wants you to think that you're not good enough, that you don't have enough. But when that multitude is on your shoulders and it's pressing, look to God because he's able to complete the work that he has started in you. God bless you. regret that let us love one another for love is of God do I look like my son up here preaching <clears throat> and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God let me just say that one more time beloved let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. It is good for us to dwell together in unity. Praise God. Amen to the glory of our God. And when we leave this house today, and every morning when we leave our home, it needs to be observed of us that they have been with Jesus. Hallelujah. All hail King Jesus. All hail Emmanuel to the glory of our God. Now this is for someone specific in this room right now. It's for everybody, but I have a word for someone for you specifically, and if you felt a little tinge in your spirit and you have a little desperation in your soul today and you say, oh, I hope, God, that you're going to speak to me, he wants to tell you something. And when I say the word, oh, Jacob, you're going to insert your name in that spot. And when I say, oh, Israel, you're going to insert your name. Isaiah 43, but now thus saith the Lord, he that created thee, oh, Jacob, and he that formed thee, oh, Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord, thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. 
baptizing him. That's the right thing to do. Keep on coming to the house of the Lord. Keep on living for him. All hail King Jesus. All hail Emmanuel. Long live the King. Praise God. Praise the Lord, everybody. You don't have to time me. My daughter is taking care of that. And uh, I have instructed her to yell bingo when we hit the five-minute mark. Amen. So good to be with you this morning. I am mindful of the time. And uh, we are grateful to be a part of what God's doing at LCC. And I want to give honor to my wife and the, and the work that she does uh, for our church. And uh, I sometimes think it goes unnoticed of all the work that maybe our, our spouses do. Uh, we're up here preaching, but let's all be real, gentlemen. Let's, we, we could ask Moses, you know, because Moses would have been dead had it not been for Zephora coming in and saying, I'll do what you're not doing so God doesn't kill you because God said, I'm going to kill Moses today unless he does this. And Zephora's like, no, 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 I'll do it. I'll do it. So I'm mindful that it's, it takes many people and uh, many individuals to make the, the kingdom of God go forward. I'm thankful today, amen, for my wife. I just want to leave you with a very, uh, very, very, I'm trying to find the word. Maybe it's an encouraging, when you leave here, you want to think, you know what, that's me. I feel that this is for me today. And uh, I want to draw your attention to some scripture um, this morning, really quickly, and uh, it's Luke chapter 28, Luke chapter, not 28, verse 1, pardon me, chapter 1, verse 28. I'll be honest with you, I said to my wife, five minutes is like the most stressful thing to try to do, because like you're like, I'm either going to be confusing or shallow, one or the other here, and so I, I, I'm going to be really concise, okay, really concise, and the, the Bible gives us a story of Gabriel. I'm not talking Christmas. My present to you is a short sermon. Uh, so the Bible tells us here that Gabriel breaks in on, on Mary, and he gives these words to her. He appears to her, verse 28, and says, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. The, everyone say, the Lord's with me. The Lord is with me. The Bible says, confused and disturbed because sometimes if an angel breaks in on us, we're confused and disturbed. All the supernatural stuff doesn't make sense all the time. But the word of the Lord gave clarity to her that day. Don't be afraid, the angel says, for you have found favor. Everyone say favor. You have found favor with God. Why was Mary favored? I think it's a pretty simple answer. She was willing to birth the kingdom of God. And that allowed her to experience kingdom favor, not salvation favor. We can't do anything about that. He loves us in spite of ourselves. But when we are willing to birth the kingdom of God on God's terms, we cultivate a favor from heaven that says, you know what? I can birth things in your life. I can use you where you're at. I can see my kingdom expand through one simple thing, not your good looks, your talent, your bank account, your friends, your family. One thing, your willingness. I got good news today. If you're a warm body and you can think half of anything, you're usable for God. You got a pulse, a heartbeat, half a wit, God can use you. Amen? We just finished up 
Canada Conference. And uh, my goodness, it was, a, it was a powerful time. And on the way out, on the way out, a man of God stopped my wife and I. And he, he locked us up actually in the middle of the, it's kind of awkward really, we were like in the middle of the aisle and people are going around us and this man's like speaking directly into our lives. Um, so everyone heard about it. Um, so I thought I'd tell you too, so you didn't feel left out. But he looks at us and he says, God is giving your church favor. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, it don't always feel like favor. But God's favor is not relegated to our feelings. God's going to give your church favor. Not me personally, but our church favor. And something hit me that, that moment, and I was so thankful. And I felt on the way home um, from Canada Conference to relay that word to you today. that God is giving your church favor. Everyone say favor. He is going to use your humble willingness for his kingdom to see his kingdom advance. Actually, this man of God said, I see people coming in by the tens into your church. Someone said amen. Amen. But we cannot do it without our willingness to receive the favor of God and all that comes with that. You ask Mary, the favor of God wasn't easy to do, but it was the will of God. I want to encourage you today, you are favored in the eyes of God through your willingness to see his kingdom go forward. God bless you today. Thank you for this opportunity. Amen. If someone had told you there was going to be 11 preachers this morning, you might have stayed home and watched online. I think they did pretty good to stay to the time. Do you think they're doing okay? There's two things and two themes that have been spoken throughout uh, each of the speakers this morning. Number one, we have to do things together. And number one, we can't do it without the Lord. So those are the two themes. No one was given any direction on what to speak about. Nobody. They were just said, we need you to do four or five minutes. And uh, if you look at the themes that were given, music comes so that people think I'm all sold in. Music. Two themes. Got to do it together, and we can't do it without the Lord. Psalm 133 says this. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. That's the family of God. It is like... Precious oil poured on the beard, the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. There's different opinions concerning the psalm, but most probably it's to the priests and the Levites after they've returned from captivity and they're being united into the service of God in the sanctuary. It's about it being done together. If you look at Psalm 132, the Lord is entreated to enter into the temple. If you look at Psalm 134, they're talking about diligence and watchfulness in their duty. But in the middle is you have Psalm 133. 
And that's the unity that is required in Scripture for God to accomplish what God wants to do. A long time ago, God put it in my spirit that it's His kingdom and not mine. You have to believe and agree with that this morning because it's not mission point. It's about God's kingdom. And it's about reaching this city. And that's why there's eight satellite churches, uh, 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 including the one in Cornerbrook, besides this church. Because it's all about everybody getting to know Jesus uh, and all of us doing whatever we can to tell them about Him. Paul makes it very, very clear. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He tells us four things to do. Be completely humble. The nine churches are not in competition. It's not about this one growing and the other was remaining stagnant. No. The desire of kingdom mindedness is that every church would flourish. Paul says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. The four steps to Christian unity. Humble, gentle, patient, and bearing one another in love. And so when you see what Paul wrote, and then you step back to Psalm 133 how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity there's a joy that comes when we do it together it's like precious oil poured out on the head running down on the beard running down on Aaron's beard down upon the collar of his robes if you can just picture that it's the whole body being covered It's the whole church being used. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. There's a couple locations that that's always clear to me. When you see kind of a dew or a, a, a fog, and that's coming through the bypass on Wellsford and the Wentworth Valley. Everywhere else can be sunny. But as you get to the height, you kind of look over and you just see a softness like a, like a big giant pillow. It's like the calmness of the dew. And David, as he writes Psalm 133, he speaks the, of the gentleness of that dew on the mountain, that unity. We're not, we're not pulling against each other. We're pulling with each other. Oh, God. Brother Nickerson, it's so good to have you this morning. This man's a great elder. Fought a lot of battles. Brother Nickerson, would you come and pray over these churches this morning? 
these nine locations, Brother Nickerson. Love you, Elder. Would you stand this morning? I'm going to have this man pray over these nine churches today. Would you do that? Let's talk to the Lord here today. Father, our Father, we're so thankful for the body of Christ. And Lord, the privilege that you give us to be involved in the work with you. Spirit that was upon that 12-year-old manifestation of God in those days said, I must be about my Father's business. Father, we've said in this service today and we felt, we felt responsibility. There's no people in all the earth like your people because not only the relationship with you, but joining you in the work. It's your good pleasure that we bring forth fruit. Lord God, help us today not to be just like this on toward generation out here that don't know where they're going, just circling and going here and there for no purpose, no, no definite plan. But Father, we're your people. Show us, Lord, how important every member of the body of Christ is. Our responsibility, not only toward one another, but Lord, let there be a manifestation of your, your character, the characteristics of your family. Father, manifest yourself through us today. Oh God, so that this city and those where we, we go about, Lord, would be conscious that there is an opportunity. There is a people that are different. There are people that are anointed, that carry the presence of the Lord. Emmanuel, God with us, Lord Jesus. God with us so that they can have a chance, Lord. I pray your blessing upon this people. I, I pronounce, Lord, the strength and the courage of your spirit upon them. Lord God, that the word of their testimony that has been coupled with the blood of the Lamb, Lord Jesus, that's what makes their testimony so powerful. It's been joined with the blood of the Lamb. And so, Lord, let the people that, uh, Lord, are exposed to this company, let the people that, that have the privilege of knowing this company of people, let them feel the power of your presence and let them feel, Lord, the opportunity that the blood of the Lamb brings so that to us is given the ministry of reconciliation. Lord, let the spirit of reconciliation be upon this people so that others could be reconciled to you. 
again, Lord, as your humble servant, I command the blessing, the strength, and the courage of your spirit upon the people. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Elder. Hallelujah. There was a variety of people that you've seen that are involved in the satellite churches and Mission Point. It takes everybody in the kingdom. But we're in one accord, one church, one mission. And nothing can be done without God himself. Would you just fill this altar this morning as we worship and praise him? If you need the Lord this morning, today's the day. Hallelujah for you to give your heart to the Lord. Hallelujah, today's the day. Hallelujah for you to repent. Hallelujah of your sin. Today's the day for you to see your need of baptism. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.